have you guys ever made a promise and couldn't keep it or forget about it? Yeah, right? So I am very, very careful about promises, especially when my granddaughters are around. <laughs> Why? Because they don't forget them, right? They remember every detail, every detail. For example, so when they would be around and I would need to go and do errands or something, need to put them in the car, give them a few things, I would always tell them, all right, if you're really good and we go to a store or something and you behave, you know, on the way back, Grandma will stop at the country corner store and we'll go get candy, right? All right, so they're all excited about it. So we get through. It's been a few hours. They start getting unwrestled, and they're ready to get out of the car, and they're ready to move on. Well, I am too. <laughs> you know, they've been in the car, and they are all stirred up, and I am ready to just go straight home. Well, go right past the store. <laughs> Grandma! <laughs> You passed the corner store. Oops. All right. You're right. Got to go back. Got to go and fulfill that promise, right? Um, it used to be said that a man's word was worth his weight in gold. <laughs> now, have you ever been promised something and then, then didn't get it? Or maybe you didn't get it because someone broke their promise. Promises? promises, right? Last week we heard from Pastor Trent on how God saw, heard, and he reacted by the faithfulness and compassion of a man, Noah. Now you remember the story of Noah and the ark and the animals getting onto, on board a very, very large boat and the waters rising, destroying everything it covered except all that was on the ark. God made a covenant, a solid promise a guaranteeing commitment with all creation, land and man, to never again to destroy it. Out of that came hope and a, con and a, con a covenant of redemption. We're going to continue our journey into another covenant today, a promise that will continue to show us how those roots from Noah, his willingness, his example to his family, created the trajectory of others playing a part of God's story of grace and redemption of all creation then and now. As you are able, will you please stand for the reading of God's word? We will be in Genesis chapter 17, starting with verse 1 through 7. When Abram was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to Abram and said to him, I am El Shaddai. Walk with me and be trustworthy. I will make a covenant between us, and I will give you many, many descendants. Abram fell on his face, and God said to him, But me, my covenant is with you. You will be the ancestor of many nations. And because I have made you the ancestor of many nations, your name will no longer be Abram, but Abraham. I will make you very fertile. I will produce nations from you, and kings will come from you. I will set up my covenant with you and your descendants after you in every generation as an enduring covenant. I will be your God and your descendants, God, after you. Jumping to verse 15. God said to Abram, As for your wife, Sarai, you are no longer called her Sarai. Her name will be now Sarah. I will bless her and even give you a son from her. 
I will bless her that she will become nations and kings of people will come after her. This is the word of God given to us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. Abram, Abraham, the father of many nations, right? Now you're familiar with the song, Father Abraham, right? Father Abraham had many sons, many sons had Father Abraham. I am one of them, and so are you. So let's just praise the Lord right on. You know, you got it, right? How everybody remembers the good story and song of Abraham. How his name was Abram and later changed to Abraham. How he was called out by God and he left his homeland. The Lord said to Abram, leave your land, your family, and your father's household for the land that I will show you. I will make of you a great nation and bless you. I will make your name respected and yours will be a blessing. Abram goes. There's no questioning. He gathers his wife and his nephew Lot and their belongings and he simply goes. That is quite the obedience and faith that he has. Not to mention the fact that he's 75 years old at this point in chapter 12. Point to be made. You are never too old for God to instruct you and for you to be obedient and obey. Time passes. Abram hit hard times after leaving his homeland. There was a famine. He was desperate. He knew that he would be killed, so he had his wife pretend to be his sister so that he would gain favor and survive. They did, to a point, until Pharaoh found out and expelled them still with all of his goods. You learn that Abram was a generous fellow when there was a land dispute between his family and the family of his nephew Lot. Abram gave Lot first choice and was content to take the leftovers. You learn that Abram was a compassionate fellow when he learned that God planned to destroy Lot's new hometown, Sodom. Adam interceded on the city's behalf. He actually argued with God in an attempt to save Lot's neighbors, sinful as they might have been. Time passes some more. There is an upheaval between some local kings in the midst of it. Abram's nephew Lot, again, was captured. Word came to Abram about the situation, but he instantly puts together a mini army, goes off to do battle, and quickly routed the enemy and rescued Lot and everyone else. God wasn't done with Abram yet. Point made. God sees what is behind your heart before you do, and he'll see you through. I would imagine Abram being done and tired by this point. You know, God saw Abram's heart, and God goes, and he meets with him. Don't be afraid, Abram. I am your protector, your reward will be really great. Abram is pretty bold here, and he goes and he has a dialogue with God in chapter 15. You haven't given me any children, and I'll not inherit anything. Oh, but God found favor with him and made a covenant with him that consisted of land and children, all wrapped together in this great little gift bundle here. The land had a purpose. God had a purpose. Time passes with 
few assurances up to this point of anything of the promise. But each time Abram dialogues with God, it prompts this whole different understanding with him and the commitment and brings Abram closer and back to God. He sees more and more of who God is. He begins to see the wider picture of God's creation and this masterpiece that God intended there to be. Point made, time with God will increase your understanding of who he is. Time passes more. We don't do well with time passing, do we? And not seeing any results. It isn't easy to wait unless you are gifted with this huge gift of patience. Now, we've seen this within the last generation, um, how technology has a part to play in that. The speeds of the web have drawn us into a quick fix. Let's get it done and move on mentality. If we get it done, we can move up the ladder faster and do other things. Sloth versus a rabbit, so to speak. But let me tell you, if you Google technology and patience, <laughs> you are going to get a huge amount of intel and the science and the medical evidence of how the younger generation does not do well with patience. We've got young babies using some sort of technology device to advance their learning. But let's be fair here, okay? I have grown a bit little less patient in my older years when my laptop, you know, starts to slow down, right? So I don't think we can blame it technically on that, but things slow down. We are impatient. Waiting demands persistence. When common sense says give up, waiting causes us to stop and check in with ourselves and believe when there is no present evidence to back it up. There's a quote from the book, it's called Waiting, Finding Hope When God Seems Silent by Ben Patterson. And he says this, faith is forged in delay. Character is forged in delay. The forge is the gap between the promise and the fulfillment. There is something to say about waiting, even being in the moment and sitting still, even when it is uncomfortable and it's questionable. We are challenged, we grow, we are stretched, we are shaped. But we want what is best for ourselves and families, don't we? We got this. We can get it done and move on. <laughs> but Sarai, Adam's wife, who was at this point in her 80s, not much younger than Abram, was unable to have children. She couldn't see how God could make this promise happen with her. She doubted herself and God. So she took it upon herself to have her Egyptian maid Hagar bring security, get the promise started that was given to her husband, if you know what I mean. <laughs> Abram is now 86 when Ishmael was born by Hagar in 6, chapter 16. And God sees so much more than we do. He is the creator, the almighty, the one who has set time into motion and knows each one of us better than we know ourselves. 
He is the one who has created a divine purpose and a plan within us and given a period of time. But we like to take control of that, don't we? Abram had a son, and he had an heir now. So what's the big deal? The promise would be fulfilled. Problem solved. Here's the problem. It wasn't part of God's plan. He had something else in mind, and it was twisted, perhaps even to the point of the timetable or the order of things being worked out was a little out of whack. It was something that could have been avoided. And so now we have this tension and this jealousy arise within the family. Hagar's son was blessed and given a good place of the gift promised, but the covenant that God promised would not be a part of his story or Hagar's. Sarai, Sarai had to be frustrated, waiting for a promise that seemed so impossible, being devoted to Adam and believing she would be a part of that promise. Doubt entered in and control took over. Point made, people of faith are not perfect. Time passes some more. Now we see Abram is now 99 years old. And he's listening to God repeat the promise of a son for the third time here in chapter 17. I am El Shaddai. Walk with me and be trustworthy. I will make a covenant between us and I will give you many, many descendants. God initiated this conversation again with more emphasis. I am El Shaddai. Walk with me and trust me. Do you see what God has initiated here? This is a side-by-side -side relationship with him, a bilateral covenant between him and Abram, a promise not just given out, but one that is mutual. It's spoken about with one another. They have this conversation. This last fall, Mom and I had gone down to Bruno Dunes to see the, the sunflower patch. Some of you probably went down there as well. There are so many different sunflowers, right? And I love sunflowers. I love yellow roses, and I love daisies. Does that tell you what my favorite color is? But there are so many different species of these sunflowers. I found out there are over 70 different species of them. That's quite impressive. Um, but did you know that the word itself, probably you do, that sunflower comes from the meaning of sun itself, but it symbolizes adoration, loyalty, and longevity. And did you also know that sunflowers are really unique? They're always searching for the sun. Wherever the sun is, they're going to raise themselves up. They're going to follow the sun, right? Now, I like this metaphor as an example of what God is referring to when he tells Abraham, walk with me, follow me, seek me, search me, for you will find adoration, loyalty, and longevity with me. My covenant is with you. 
you will be the ancestor of many nations. And because I have made you the ancestor of many nations, your name will no longer be Abram, but Abraham. God goes on to say how he will multiply not only what he owns, but increase for generations to come after. The covenant will go on and on. As for Sarai, your wife, you are no longer to call her Sarai. Her name will be Sarah, meaning princess. I will bless her and even give you a son from her. I will bless her so that she will become nations and kings of peoples will come from her. Guys, this is a covenant relationship as a family affair. This isn't just an obligation that he's doing. This is a promise. Point made. The least significant is now the most significant. God hands out these new names. This is a big deal. This is like pulling back the curtain for Abram to see and recognize the divine greatness of God himself. Abram sees more of this picture and sees the bigger outcome of what God is putting into place. Did you guys notice that God even calls himself this new name from the start, El Shaddai? The common English version uses that, and scholars indicate this name for himself as meaning God's power. Your version might say God Almighty or strong God or God all-powerful. By giving new names to them, God is reaffirming a certain relationship with them as well. Now, we do this as husband or wife or when we take on a new family name. We name our children and our pets and other things that are really precious to us. Because with a name, we have something that we take responsibility for. We take care of it. We honor it. We respect it. By them changing their names, God was letting Abraham and Sarah know that he was announcing his covenant. And all will know of the promise he has made for his people. This is like a royal announcement made to the people. This one is an eternal covenant, a blessing to others, including those who are not his physical descendants. Time passes more. <laughs> okay, you guys know the spoil alert, right? Abraham and Sarah have a baby within the next chapter, okay? At just the right age of 99 and 89, Isaac was born. Incredible. The promise of hope would continue and move forward. This is a bilateral covenant between God and Abraham as an agreement on both sides. A promise back to God that Abraham made was keeping it as a circumcision. Let's take a line between the covenants between Noah and Abraham here, okay? God initiated both covenants with Noah and Abraham. Both covenants show favor with humans, no more floods. The promise has been made to God's people for generations to come. And both show a reminder of God's faithfulness. One is done by the rainbow, and the other is done by circumcision. 
So now, time passes again, 430 years exactly, around that. The story of Abraham traveled for generations clear through to Christ's incarnation and crucifixion. Kings of people passed through time. God's promise was shared and made for future ones like Paul to witness, recount, and to see the story to fulfillment. As you heard earlier in Romans chapter 4, verse 13, the promise of Abraham and to his descendants that he would inherit the world didn't come through the law, but through the righteousness that comes from faith. Verse 16, that's why the inheritance comes through faith, so that it'll be on the basis of God's grace. The promise was a promise of blessing and grace. And Paul goes on to say, when it was beyond hope, he, Abraham, had faith in the hope that he would become the father of many nations. In keeping with the promise, God spoke to him. Point made, when things seem impossible, he simply held on to his faith in God. What can we take away from Abraham? We know his story goes even further beyond what we have just read. But the fulfillment is not done. It did not end at Jesus' birth. It's still not done, not at an end. We still wait for the return of Jesus and God in Abraham's story. Why do I say that? The fact that we are reading the story of Abraham and learning from it, being inspired and guided by it, proves that God is not done yet with his or our story. God chooses real people, imperfect people in his story. <laughs> Sell your wife to the king? <laughs> Feel any inadequate and not important enough to be a part of the story? Radical signs of grace are found in God's promises. God has an unconditional nature of his covenant, the promised land. Descendants, a blessed inheritance, never changed. They were firm. They remained firm from the very point that God had made it. And yet nothing was expected in return. And time is not wasted during our time of waiting. There is growth and transformation that occur within Abraham. Redemption and transformation still occur. People of faith go through hard times and experience ups and downs. The promise given to Abraham and Noah from Genesis throughout Scripture was a promise found in verse 16 of Romans chapter 4. That's why the inheritance comes through faith, so it'll be on the basis of God's grace. God gives life to the dead and calls into existence the things that do not exist, it continues. God gives new life to whom God justifies. This brings a very valid point that commentators will say, God's faith in people creates and encourages their faith in him. Let me say that again. God's faith in people creates and encourages their faith in him. God believes in you. <laughs> He's not given up on us. And God's promises are meant to move and motivate us. They are meant to instill hope. They are meant to give us courage. They are meant to defeat fear.
feelings of loneliness and inability and fear. They are meant to give us peace when things around us are chaotic and confusing. And God's promises are meant to blow your mind and to settle your heart. They are his gifts of grace to you. We are in trouble if we don't trust in God's promises. For if we don't believe in his promises, we won't be a witness or participate within his radical transformations. No matter what and where your life is right now, there is good news. Just as God made a promise to Noah and Abraham and Sarah, God's going to continue his story with you. For the story hasn't ended yet, and God can still bring things to new life. We can have transformation with the love of Jesus through those of, the, of us who dare to walk alongside. I can have the worship team come forward. We're going to be receiving communion, the, communion this morning as part of the new covenant with our Lord. But before we do so, we're going to take a short time to examine ourselves in prayer. We're going to ponder and search within ourselves. So if you would find a place where you're at and create a space with just you and God. And those online, you're welcome to join us later through the drive through communion service. But will you join us in prayer as we consecrate these elements? Father God, we come before you seeking you. Show us your love. Examine our hearts. Help us to see what you see within us. Show us the things that we need to work on, change, and reconcile with. Invite the Holy Spirit to come. Perhaps we made a promise with God at one point but haven't followed through with it or have forgotten it. Help us, Lord, to be patient and trust in your promises. Ask the Holy Spirit to seek forgiveness and seek more of him. May we seek his presence now and ask for forgiveness for ourselves or someone else. Seek him. He will hear your heart. He will hear and transform you into something new and better than before. Almighty God, and to whom all hearts are open, all desires known, and for whom no secrets are hidden, cleanse the thoughts of our hearts by the inspiration of your Holy Spirit, that we may perfectly love you and magnify your holy name through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. We take part in this communion as a sign of saying, yes, Lord, I trust in you as you find trust in me. The night Jesus was betrayed, he came to his disciples to partake and participate with them. So take your cup and take the bread. Our Lord took the bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it, and he gave it to his disciples, saying, take, eat, this is my body which is broken for you. Do in remembrance of me. After supper, 
he took the cup. And when he had given thanks, he gave it to them saying, take, drink. This is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many of the forgiveness of sins. Do this in remembrance of me. Gracious Father, we give you praise and thanks for this holy communion of the body and blood of your Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Father God, we just thank you for being the one who keeps to his promises. But Lord, as we wait for you to continue to do your work within us and for us, help us, Lord, to be patient to be in the midst of that waiting. Lord, thank you for meeting us. In your name we pray, amen. As you are able, if you would stand and to receive the benediction. God's promises endure from generation to generation. May the God of Abraham and Sarah, the God who sent Jesus to redeem us, the God whose covenant is eternal, bless you and make you fruitful. Go in the name of the Lord.